it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yellowstone, Season 2, Episode 7 and 8 are over, but we're just getting started over here at Post Show Recaps. Hello, my friends. It is I, DM Philly, Rich Filiberto, hanging out with you again one more week talking about Yellowstone. I, of course, am not alone. I am joined by a woman who often leaves me saying, hardy har har, it's the great Grace leader. Grace, how are you? I'm good. I was just wondering if I could have a horse. I have yeah, one. I would definitely can't really be a cowboy horse. if I don't have a horse. I cannot train the horse for you. Uh, You're going to have to get your dad, Taylor Sheridan. My dad, Taylor Sheridan, will definitely take care yeah. of the horse. Yeah, okay. I will okay. move on to Taylor Sheridan's ranch with you to oversee okay. the trading of the horse if you'd like. Okay, great. Great, great, Excellent. great. Uh, Grace, episode seven and eight, Resurrection Day. And mm-hmm. behind us, only gray. Um, some big episodes as we're closing out season two. How'd you feel about them? I like them. I like. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. I like the. I mean, I don't like that this happened, but the scene uh, where Beth is uh, beaten up is quite intense, which then leads to uh, the scene that I quite like, uh, which is, of course, Dan Jenkins, uh, Thomas Rainwater, and uh, John Dutton, aka Kevin Costner, talking and the like, secretly being recorded, and all of that is like very fun. I feel like it's like setting up for a very fun final two episodes, which we'll watch uh, next week. As uh, that's what CBS has on the schedule: two episodes again. 
I am ready for it. Another two episodes. Yeah, it's really interesting. We talked a bit last week about violence and the violence against women and the way it's depicted on this show. This is a really brutal episode. I'm generally a bit jaded when it comes to violence in media. It's not a thing that typically uh, upsets or perturbs me in any kind of grievous way. But I remember seeing this the first time and being like, okay, this is a bit gratuitous. (laughs) It's like they're going very hard. It gets brutal. They really f bath up i remember coming away a bit like doesn't this woman need like reconstructive surgery like that seems like a Uh real beating but it's chilling and i think it does set us up with incredible momentum coming out of it towards these final episodes the sit down that we get in episode eight between those three guys it's fantastic i mean that's the scene we've been driving towards since episode one of yellowstone and i think it is really satisfying when we get there it's very good. Um, uh, him being like, I don't need, you don't need to record me. Like I'll, I'll do it. It's great. It's really good. Yeah. It's it really, it's a very fun setup. It's a really cool sit down. The, um, the thing yeah. I think about just to, to step in and I'm not trying to like defend because I do think like I do have problems. I, I joked. I was like two weeks ago. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so good. And then I was reading online just to make sure that like I was in the right place. And they're like, Oh yeah. Sure. Violence against women is like, yeah, it's a pretty prominent theme here. And I was like, okay. And then immediately comes up where Sarah Nguyen, uh, uh, is, uh, is killed. I do think there's a big difference between, uh, you know, in the storytelling world where like Beth is so involved in what's happening to the degree that like, I don't, I'm, I'm not like as, uh you know obviously i think like violence against one but but like jamie's is like this is a person that he was in a relationship with and there's Mm -hmm. lots of like problematic ways about like about that and what happened and how she's like a journalist there's this world i think in like you know almost like in the pro wrestling world where it's like if you're in it you're in it right and so like Mm -hmm. these stories of um you know this with beth i'm less inclined to feel like i i want to as much put it in the bucket even if it's maybe not great and it could definitely could be triggering for people i don't think it's quite the same as like uh as as even the sarah and jamie stuff we got from the previous episode so Million not to like yeah. dismiss that there is this theme happening in the show but i want to i want to just like acknowledge that piece yeah No, I'm a million percent with you. I think that part of what I was trying to articulate last time about Sarah, and I don't know how effectively I did it, is just that she's a character who's so distinctly othered from the main cast. It's so about her being different, and here's this lesbian, and she's a journalist, and she's an outsider, and she wants to expose all these things, and there's no real depth to the story, right? Uh, Right. Sarah's death is very much about motivating Jamie's story, driving Jamie's story forward. It's not quite fridging on that level, but it's certainly a very kind of a, a typical and maybe not ideal use of like violence against women to further the story of one of your male leads. Whereas Beth is like an active agent of chaos who is very much a player in, in this ensemble. And um, while this is not directly like a repercussion for any of her explicit actions, it is very much about the fact that, that she's one of the Duttons and it's about her story and we're going to explore the impact on her as a character, right? It's not just about the way that it's going to catalyze everybody around her. So I think there's a really meaningful distinction. And look, you know, like uh, content warnings, like mileage may vary for people, but this kind of violence, I think, is the kind of thing that like it's helpful for a lot of people to know this is going to be part of the hour of TV they're sitting down for, you know. It really is very visceral attack that we get to by the end. One thing I'll say that's really interesting is like I think there was a lot of... so, So we typically, although today we are recording on monday 
we typically record on Sundays and yes. we just watch the episodes as we have them available on streaming services. I got really annoyed, Rich, that they move. And I get that this makes a lot of sense. But uh, Yellowstone was on Amazon Prime Video here for a while. And then it got yes. moved back to Paramount. Uh, uh, plus, which I had to then yes. uh, acquire. So I'm just like the bouncing around of streaming shows is so annoying, but whatever. Like, why'd you sell it to Amazon Prime? It's like you literally Paramount Plus, but that's fine. Whatever. I'm not actually mad. And then, um, uh, but I watched them on there. And there was this talk, like, one of the things that's like I, we're not really doing in, in terms of this, like, CBS watch is like actually like recording it on cbs to then like see what aired and what didn't and the part of yes. that is like it's a little bit too much work because i've never seen the show before i can't tell you like what did or did not make it yes. so it's like hasn't been worth the effort and it makes sense for us to be able to record on sundays so we can get the pot out on, on mondays Th this was the time where i was like oh yeah but th th like i wonder how this got like i don't think you can though edit around this like you can't really but mm -hmm. it is such a like this is a hard thing to like imagine even like 15 years ago makes it onto a prime time like a network show but seemingly it did i have not watched the edit but i presume it did yeah. i am with you and i had the same kind of question i'm glad that you pointed it out right because we're trying to make sure that we're able to get these out on time and early and yellowstone's a show that i have uh on physical media for all intents and purposes i don't have to go hunting it down on streaming services which is very convenient in the age 2023 so i was quite curious as to like what might have gotten lost in translation i'd love to hear from anybody who's watching yes, on the nbc version because part of it for me is yellowstone even though it's a show i've watched a bunch of times i'm not necessarily uh my microscope watching where i could tell you like i could with like the lord of the rings extended editions well actually grace this was not in the original edition you know uh, i won't know necessarily what gets changed so i appreciate going back and watching the original formats for whatever it's worth apparently uh, there are like it does need to be edited to fit like a tv 14 rating I but that. i'm yeah. but i you know i don't know uh exactly the the minute details about how this the, is changing so yeah the metrics of like uh ratings and all this kind of stuff it really comes down to like seconds right of like how much you're showing for how long and the depictions of things there's something coming up in an episode that i really want to point out because of how quick it is while it is included but nonetheless we're here today to talk about episode seven and eight resurrection day behind us only gray uh of course we're breaking it down every week you guys can subscribe you can catch all the yellowstone coverage postshowrecaps.com slash yellowstone is the rss feed you can subscribe to yes i was just going to flag that we were talking about this before that currently as of the day that we're recording this which is uh november 27th mm -hmm. uh there is no nothing on the schedule for yellowstone after this so yep. um uh, i know that season five has resumed filming did you know that there's another two uh prequels uh slash uh, sequels that have been there's a show called 2024 coming <laughs> rich i don't know if you saw that wait what yeah, I believe that's right. That maybe that's the Matthew McConaughey show. I don't. I actually don't know. Um, that, but, that's got to be a placeholder, right? I'm really curious about the Matthew McConaughey show, but uh, 2024. That is not before Yellowstone. That does not fit the preconceived uh, narrative well, structure, Grace. I don't know. Anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah, spinoffs. 1944 and 2024 have been ordered as of three weeks ago. So we even missed this. Anyway, all I'm going to say is that currently CBS has not said that they're going to continue to air Yellowstone. But last time what happened between one and two was that this upcoming week, like as the week, like between 
the last episodes and the and the or the penultimate episode in the finale, they then announce, hey, we're gonna air season two. So we might be getting that this week where they're gonna do it and then they'll reshuffle the schedule. Currently, I believe there's like a Grammy special that's being uh, uh slotted in oh, for sure. the week after uh season uh two finishes. Um if it does, uh, if, if season three does get announced and it's gonna air, we'll be here. If it's not, we will determine what our schedule looks like uh moving forward. But just a scheduling note uh for folks uh on that front because uh, they have not officially announced that they're airing more than just these two, two seasons at the moment excellent heads up uh, i appreciate it that is probably all the more reason you should subscribe uh yes. postshowrecaps.com slash yellowstone because that way you will get whatever coverage we have coming back at you as soon as we resume the coverage the 1944 prequel does not surprise me i mean we're following the structure of like 1883 1923 uh what did you just say 1944 1944 yeah 1944 away from the threes that's interesting and Uh, then 2024 though is apparently what's coming after yellowstone is what people predict so like yellowstone will end and then a new show called 2024 will start airing that's a terrible name taylor get in touch with your dad and tell him the the prequel names like i get it it's an interesting Uh convention and at least you're able to follow a format that is very simple and really easy to root us in wait when is this show set oh 1944 (laughs) Uh it's kind of like a dark what year is it 1944 uh and and so i think that that's wise but you can't name a show 2024 and release it in 2024 and think that that's a good move that's a bad it's likely it's likely Uh, not airing in 2024 it's likely oh my god that's an even worse move it's likely airing in 2025 or beyond because the final yellowstone episodes are pushed back to november 2024 so they're not coming out for basically another year. Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. These final Yellowstone yeah. episodes are so fascinating. I, I look forward to us closing in on it a little bit more because we can start to talk about the kind of dynamic of the the Sheridan uh, interconnected cinematic universe here yeah. and where we found ourselves. But like I said, I'm a big fan of 1883. I thought it was really good. 1923, not quite as sharp, but I really did like it. It's a strong period show for whatever it's worth. You got a couple of very fun performances in there. I dug it uh i'm curious to see where the coverage will go nonetheless we're here today to talk about episodes eight and seven of season two i got some short long recaps i will break it down and then we can dive into it grace sounds good okay episode seven resurrection day uh casey finds john about to take a ride and says that he'll join him noting that he will follow john just needs to tell him what direction he's going the metaphor of the moment is not subtle jamie meanwhile is still struggling badly with what he did and beth doubles down tormenting him about it the beck brothers intimidation campaign is ramping up as they kill a man who works at the casino site to send thomas a message and show up at beth's office to threaten her tate meanwhile is working on convincing john he needs a horse uh john's willing as is casey and once casey brings tate home monica affirms that she doesn't want to be without her husband anymore and the pair are able to rekindle their relationship john ultimately back on the ranch realizes a gun is missing from the cabinet and he finds jamie alone in one of the fields dangerously close to taking his own life he manages to talk him down and rip ultimately will bring jamie to the bunkhouse where he's going to start working as one of the ranchers 
Monica agrees to move back to the ranch with Tate and Casey, and the trio try to settle in, though the rooms in the house are just a bit too big. Uh, John moves into Lee's old cabin, which is a very emotional moment for the man as he's packing his clothes away side by side with his late sons. Um, and as Beth and her assistant Jason are working late, a pair of masked intruders break into the office and assault them. Beth puts up a good fight, stabbing one repeatedly. She's defiant and refuses to give them the satisfaction of her being scared. So they kill Jason to try to let the message sink in. Rip shows up just in the nick of time and kills both men. Casey ultimately comes home to Monica that night and admits that he's had to do some dark work. And Malcolm Beck will find both men hung up in front of his office the next morning with a note that says return to sender. And as Casey finds John and asks what they're going to do, John simply explains, we're going to kill him, son. Uh, episode eight, we pick up as Casey and Jamie are having a conversation about Jamie's new role as low man among the ranchers. Jamie asks if Casey can forgive him for what he's done. And Casey simply says they're brothers asserting that that says all it needs to Beth. Meanwhile, is nursing or nursing her brutal wounds as Rip sleeps in her bed. She orders a breakfast of ice cream and vodka as Monica watches on clearly concerned at having just moved her family onto the ranch. Uh, Thomas and Nan arrive at the Yellowstone to have their sit down with John. The pair both see Beth and they disclose what the Beck brothers have done to intimidate them. All three men agree that while they've been fighting amongst one another, they've at least had enough honor not to take the fight to one another's families. Dan wants John to say that he wants to kill the Beck brothers out loud. And John discovers that he has a recorder. Dan takes it and clearly states into the microphone that he thinks they should kill the Becks, implicating himself. Thomas then takes it, saying that this is like a blood oath amongst the three of them and explains that as a tribal chief, he's caught for all his native people will suffer for his actions if he gets caught. Uh, John refuses to say it on tape, asserting that he doesn't have to because he's the one who's going to do the dirty work. And with that, the three enemies are in bed with one another. Malcolm, meanwhile, has a meltdown at the failed attack on Beth and tells his brother they need to kill what John loves most. Uh, Monica's expressing her concern about life on the ranch to Casey before she heads out with her class to see some Native American rappers performing. When she returns, Casey very insightfully says that they can't fall back into their old patterns of hiding their feelings from one another. And she admits that she doesn't think that they can stay here on the ranch with Casey agreeing that he'll move to town with her if it's going to make her happy. Jimmy, meanwhile, is able to pay off his old debts with his rodeo money, but the dirtbags say that he owes another $1,000 for Avery having bear sprayed them, and they take his rodeo belt buckle. Uh, John goes to talk with Monica about how pleased he is to see Casey training Tate's horse, and he manages to convince his daughter-in-law to stay a bit longer on the Yellowstone and give them a chance. Beth's feelings for Rip are clearly grown more profound but he is pulling back from her and as she watches him working with Tate she's very touched uh, moving away she ultimately finds Jamie mocking out a stall and in a very chilling confrontation she tells him that someday she will destroy whatever it is that he comes to love no matter the cost to herself um, and John goes to find Casey late night as the pair go to pick up Jamie from the bunkhouse. They drive during the night in the car, and it's clear that Jamie's fears 
fears that they might be taking him to kill him. But they ultimately arrive at a crime scene where one of Thomas's men has been killed, uh, having realized that the Becks have their own plane and were the ones to poison the herd. John makes a call to set a meeting with them, and the intention is to kill them while the plane is flying over the ranch. As Malcolm Beck hangs up on the other end of the phone, we see photos of all of the Dutton family, and Malcolm shoves the photo of Tate towards his brother, repeating the line who he loves most. That's episode eight of season two of Yellowstone. There was a lot of stuff, Grace. We're getting into the drama. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I thought it, I thought, I thought it's really good, though. I think that the way that everything is intertwined, we're still, clearly setting up some tension here between, I, I think, um, a show like this, I think that the, while well, season one, I thought didn't um, sort of live up to the promise of John versus Thomas versus Dan or whatever, um, this one, it does feel like it's going to, you know, head somewhere a little bit more conclusive. And I think that's probably like potentially a thing where the show realized that between uh, Danny Houston as Dan Jenkins and, and Gil Birmingham as, as Thomas Rainwater, there's only so much you can do to conclude that story. We, you know, we I, I joke about um, the Dan being hanged thing and how he you know, comes back alive. It does feel like this is setting us up for like a really clear, um, this feels very like, you know, it's, I don't know if it's like a perfect analogy, but, but breaking bad ish. We're like these, sometimes oh, yeah. these seasons have these, like, this is the enemy of this season. It does feel like season two is the story of John against the Beck brothers. Um, and that were, uh, and I think that the idea that they both know they're after each other, and John is ready to pull the trigger, and yet he doesn't realize that they have their sights set on the thing that he actually loves most, which is which is Tate. I do think is a is a fitting sort of cliffhanger here for what we're going to get, which is like a, a pair of final episodes that we're going to watch next week. So, yep, I think it's a really uh, strong setup for our conclusion, right? I really love. Uh, I mean, this episode, episode seven, Resurrection Day. I know you and I love to talk about this. Sometimes we always take it with a grain of salt. One of the highest rated episodes of the show. Great, it's got a nine. 9.2 on IMDb. I think people find it riveting, which is interesting because it's episode eight that we have the big sit down with these three, right? I think uh, seven is so much where we're really focusing in on the family and we, we zoom in on the Duttons and their current state of affairs. I love the bookends of the way that it opens and the way that it closes with Casey kind of saying to John, I'll catch up. You just got to tell me what direction we're going in. And right. the, the closing shot of the episode of the two of them side by side Casey's got like his fists balled his shoulders slumped it's a very almost childlike presentation as he stands next to his dad the pair of them looking off into the sunset but it's excellent setup and I think to your point of the you know the Danny Hudson the Gil Birmingham and all these guys are so good this trio this like ensemble of these three sitting around in the chairs as they all lean into each other <laughs> like they match it's yeah. really compelling and they're really all good actors in their own right so i don't blame yellowstone as much for like not dealing with them in season one i can see the sentiment of like god we can't take these guys off the board kind of like we're gonna kill yeah. uh dan jenkins and they're like no you know what we yeah. want that guy back <laughs> yeah i mean it's very like reminiscent that like you know with the breaking bad that like jesse was gonna die at the end of season one supposedly logan roy was gonna die at the end of season one of succession like there's these moments where you build out the show and you think like you know and i, I 
Jack this is like, Lost. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of them. Yep. And like Taylor Sheridan, like I know he's had like it's hard to believe that this is not that long ago. And you know, it is kind of that long ago. But also like he didn't really know exactly what. Yeah, like Yellowstone is the breakthrough show for him. And yes. so I think that like on one hand, it's, you know, there's this idea that you kind of maybe always want to build towards having more. But sometimes you might not realize that you have the opportunity to build to more until you're actually like doing it. Uh, I think like, you know, I think that a lot of times we think like, oh, my gosh, what a surprising success. I'm sure as they were like filming this, they were, you know. They got Kevin Costner in their show. Like they know, like this is not going to be nothing. Yeah, just whether or not the quality is good. And I'm sure some execs were like, "No, I think this is pretty good. I think we got something here that like we can turn in, and maybe that yep. changes the course of the direction. Sometimes of the story of a first season. Um, in a way that I, I, I would have liked them to put a little bit more like stakes to the end of season one, and like paint themselves a bit into a corner. In the way I think, like sometimes Breaking Bad figured out how to. Yes. a lot of times it figured out how to do. But I do feel really confident that it, it feels like that's not where we're headed in season two. And I could be I could be way wrong. It's just the feeling I get that the Beck brothers, I think they're really good villains. They also feel like they are much more expendable than, oh, than sure. both Dan and, and Thomas. So, um, yeah, the the thing you talked about with um, episode seven being one of the highest rated of the show. I don't think that's surprising. I, I do think that to a degree, as much as I love and you love Dan and Thomas that the like sort of heart of the show is like John and his kids it's the family yeah it's the family so the episode that's much more like family centered I think makes sense that it would resonate and we're like you and I are talking like earlier about like I want more of the information on like the land laws right? you yep. know? I don't know that everybody yep. like I think my dad watching this show is like much more engaged whether or not he hates or loves any of John's kids I presume if I asked my dad he probably hates them all but uh even Casey maybe I don't know I'd have to check I thought I'll check your dad them. loves them all there is oh dog. yeah Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, oh, I was gonna say my like, you know, my stepdad. I feel it's really disrespectful. No, no, dad, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, no, yeah. No, we don't need to take it that far. But um, <laughs> but I feel like that's where so much of the tension is, and we're actually like as much fun as John is. Like when he goes and he like chucks, you know, the chairs at at Dan. Like that's uh -huh. fun. But like the real juice is like in the moment where he's sitting. Like he takes his son to the spot where his the son's mother and and John's wife died, and they're having like contemplative discussions about like you'll never know what that loss is like i think i already know what that loss is like that is like the heart of the show you know as much as yeah. i like the other stuff it would make sense that i think episode seven is probably the stronger episode out of the two but i love them but i like them both a lot and i like where we end up same yeah my big takeaway coming out of it was just god i really liked episode eight a lot not to d uh, discredit what seven did i think seven's excellent i think for the first time you have these terrific moments with john really going in deep with all three of the kids i mean obviously jamie's attempted suicide here there's a really like chilling moment in the confrontation they have and the way that it falls out of beth like holding john to account tell me you love him tell me you love him the way that you love casey the way that you love me with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is brutal, Grace. It's so cold. It's so chilling. Because even the things that John is saying to Jamie, it's not, I love you. It's not, I'm sorry. He says, I shouldn't have sent you away to school. He doesn't say, I'm sorry. I didn't listen to you. He's like, you needed more time. I could give that to you now, right? All of this, it's weak. It's cowardly. It's selfish. I won't let you, you know? It's control that he's like exerting over his son. And I think that, look, relationships are are complex and fraught and i don't have kids so i can't say that like oh i i you always are gonna love them all the same i really no. wonder what kind of no. parents feel as this falls on them all across the world out there this is one of these like eternal questions that i find so fascinating grace and so compelling as somebody on the outside of the parent bubble that i think that like it's probably really hard for a lot of parents to talk about. <laughs> like, I mean, I for me, real great insight here. So I love okay. that we're exploring yeah. this idea. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I have three siblings. I have three brothers. And I think that like, it's probably true that like, you know, my parents, like, I don't think it's fair for me to like ask my parents, like, do you love me more than my siblings? Because I don't think that's like a fair question to ask. But I also, part of the reason it's not fair is that like, it inevitably is true. I think that yes. you do, you do. And that doesn't mean you don't love one child, but there's ways in which like you have connections and interests with one of them that you don't have, have other ones. So, and I think it's your responsibility as a parent to um, there's a, re- there's a really good line in euphoria actually about um, it's like uh, about how a father and a son both hate each other and how it's, kind of fair for the son to hate his father but it's not fair for the father to hate his son um Mm -hmm. and i think about that a lot that i think like you know i i do think as much i i I don't think you i think it's true that someone can love their children differently um while also acknowledging that like you know you should you hopefully you don't hate your children you have to support your you know like even that i don't know if i fully believe with that but i yeah i know it's like a very complex thing but i think inevitably you know, and it's not something that I think ever needs to like be explored unless, you know, in these moments where it's like if someone's like literally being treated unfairly or whatever, then it's interesting to explore in the world where like 
everything's fine. It's like, I don't think it's worth me asking my mom. Like you love me more than my brothers. <laughs> you know, it's but, an impossible thing. Yeah. I mean, you bring a great point up because of the, the truth that inevitably exists behind it. It's, it's a really difficult question to present to somebody. And I think it's so fascinating because we're dealing in like unquantifiable metrics. Like how, what is the volume of love? I know we can, I love you 3000. And that's like right. the top of the scale, right. For, for our DJ. And it can but, change but, too. Like there's moments where my mom is so much happier with my brother than with yep. me moment and then it can be reverse where it's like what like when my brother like when it's like time to cook for thanksgiving dinner i'm awful at it so like i am not helpful whereas my brother's like very helpful and that doesn't mean she loves me less in that moment but it's like she well, might yeah. appreciate this thing about my brother it's a skill set that i don't have and then there'll be another time where like you know i have a skill you know so it's all very complicated I mean, that's that's the thing. Now we're getting into like uh, the quantifiable actions and what is love and like transactional behavior and like yeah. appreciation is not the same. I just think it's so fascinating because, you know, uh, there's clearly chemistry among people and some people connect and some don't. And I know people who are so tight with their parents and I'm sometimes envious of that. And I know people who have like really distant relationships with their parents that still would never suggest they don't love them or they aren't loved or any of this. But it's a really fraught dynamic. And I think that Costner plays it really well as he gives this daughter the look of like, why, why are you even saying this to me? You know what I mean? Don't make me say it in the same way that we're going to get an episode eight. Like he won't say it out loud. He doesn't say anything out loud, but it felt really powerful. The Jamie trajectory. I know that this is probably like not our favorite of the Dutton kids, but I, I like keep saying how much I love Wes Bentley. He's just such like a sad, broken man on this show, especially. And I like him like, like falling back to his roots. I think there's something really endearing about that scene where Rip takes him to the bunkhouse and he kind of falls mm -hmm. in to play cards with the boys and yeah. gets this pair of Kings. And it's the, like, he, he doesn't even, I think there's something like, uh, there's a metaphor of like, you know, as long as you're willing to sit down to play, you don't know what the deck is going to give you, right? Like what is today terrible might be magnificent tomorrow. Through the act of perseverance, you can find fresh starts for yourself in life. And no matter what terrible uh, weight you have hanging on you from behind, there is always uh, the possibility of tomorrow, right? I think there's something like really inspiring about that but also jamie's inability to even like execute on it he's like no, i'm not here to like win in this moment i just want to be here i need to like be here amidst this company i thought it was pretty poignant uh and like a good little stinger on the jamie story as it were yeah, I think this is the most interesting Jamie's been, which kind of is sad that it's like, you know, but, uh, you know, a lot of you know shows about successful lawyers are not exactly my normally my cup of tea. So uh, this like down on his luck lawyer who comes back to be a cowboy is probably uh, you know more my my jam. The one thing I think I, I struggle the most with on the show is really interesting. I was telling you before uh, we started recording that I was chatting with somebody and I, I said I was watching Yellowstone. And this person had some pretty strong critiques of Beth, which I, I thought to a degree, they got into some spoiler. So they never explicitly said anything happens. But one of them is that like the intent or the intent behind the sides was like Beth is really evil. And oftentimes like not a lot of like stuff actually happens to Beth, which is very ironic that then I sat down and watched the episode where Beth and watched Beth like beaten within an inch of her life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, but the one thing I'm, I'm mostly struggling with, with this show more than, you know, the interesting thing I thought about succession was there was so often this 
thing. And I'll, I'll try not here to spoil succession. I don't think I'm going to, but there was often this like camaraderie about when they would realize like they were up against their father in many ways. And it was their father yes. who was putting them against each other. That was yes. always very wisely interplayed with this idea that any moment there was a moment to win their father's affection, they would turn on each other and they would yes. betray each other in a way that I thought was so excellently done. Whereas I do feel like that's missing to a degree in this show. Like it's kind of hard to believe that like these three people like did literally lose one of their brothers like mm -hmm. and, and their mom they're so mean to each other like less so casey it's mostly just beth and Jamie. casey is not yeah we i just like a contribute here like casey yeah. i think is like so not removed from this i do think that yeah. the shadow of lee does not weigh in the way that it needs to on the show yeah. like the dead son john's the only one who seems to be deeply affected by right. the death of their brother i think casey is a really good guy and i think that he's just got his head up his own ass a little bit he's not like particularly jerked either i think that jamie is really self indulgent and just like fixated on his own thing so he's not like willfully hurtful to the others except that he's just self-indulgent and doesn't consider the impact on the others and beth is the one who's really just like effing cruel to the rest of them <laughs> like all the time great i don't mean to like interrupt yeah. or like debate no, the point, but no. like i'm with you where there's a level of like like we get the scene with Kami, casey and jamie at the beginning of episode eight like when's the last time these two talk to each other at all there's a really right? awesome scene in episode one and i know beth is the one not included in this but it's with lee casey and jamie where they hate out and they're in their camp they're like ro roasting over a fire and it's excellent they like fished i think and then they like they're 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 cooking the fish and it's really really good in a way that i do feel like is missing in the in the interest of like drama 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 all the time and in the interest of creating conflict between jamie and beth i it's fine for that to be there because like i know like i have a sibling who like it's can be really hard for us to get along sometimes. Sure. And so like, you know, it's not like we often have these like moments of camaraderie, but then I also maybe need to see a little bit more where this like came from and where it started yeah. from and why it keeps happening is the one piece of this Jamie best stuff that I need. If you're going to have it be that they're constantly at each other's throats and like literally trying to like destroy each other, I maybe need a little bit more and maybe it's coming, but I need more of like, why is she doing this? It's I think like, that yeah. you as a savvy TV viewer, you're honing in on like the question. Cause again, I just have to push back a little bit that like, they don't want to destroy each other. Beth wants to destroy Jamie. Like Jamie does not right. seem to have the vitriolic right. animosity towards right. his sister that she has towards him. He's he literally, literally said you can hate, you can hate exactly you need something to hate. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, we've talked about it a bunch is like this really important line in that conflict in that moment they have. So Jamie is accepted that like for, whatever reason he is the whipping post for Beth's aggression and Beth is even like saying to John at one point you wanted me here to fight yeah. against everybody yeah like he's the one that you cannot trust I know you want to believe him I know you want to but don't like even think for a second I just can't and we have no clarity there I think that that's really insightful and I think you're supposed to be certainly by the end because Beth really goes like full Cersei Lannister here Grace of yeah. like someday you're going to be better and you're going to love something again. And if I have to kill it with my own 
own hands. I will to see you suffer. This is like absolute insane vitriol. It's After everything evil. that she's like been yeah. through at this point, that she's directing all of her animosity. I mean, she was nearly raped. She's been brutalized. She's like developing these feelings for rip. She's like out of sorts. Her assistant has been murdered, Grace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lest we forget. She watched Jason get his face shot off because of her family's drama. And she has decided this is like the best use of her time. This is the best place to displace her aggression. I think it's really insightful that you're like, what's going on? Like, what is the root of this? Why do I need to know this? And like, we'll see if we ever get any clarity on that, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I, uh, I just wanted to like stop in and talk about that because that dysfunction I think is really interesting. The other side of it of like Casey, you know, the Casey Monica story is something we've talked about a lot. That's really compelling for you. And now we have Monica, like, you know, all season has kind of been flirting with this, like, will she, won't she with the physical therapist? Finally, she doubles down and is like, look, you're a part of me, Casey, you're a part of my soul. I don't want to be apart from you. She moves to the ranch only to immediately be like, we need to move off the ranch this is really bad casey at this point is like fully in the deep end of the pool where in season one he was like helping his dad reconnecting with his dad now he's like out here straight up doing murders Grace, like get ready to do some killing to be like major machiavellian plotting monica is clearly aware of it the whole reaction of monica seeing beth come to the breakfast table and like beth consistently breaking every family uh eating event that they have this is all really interesting to me i was curious how it landed for you yeah, it, it's okay. I, I don't mind where we are. I don't know if how we got here is the strongest writing of the show. She I, just like flips a switch and is like, actually, I want you back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Casey doesn't have to prove anything. I, there's a couple lines in here. So first of all, really love when Beth is like, we're not supposed to talk about business. And John says, actually, it's breakfast. So we're allowed to talk about breakfast. It's just dinner. We're not allowed to talk business, which is very funny. And then. <laughs> Quite good. Yeah. And then I really like Beth's line to Monica about like, you know, whatever, something along the lines of like, stop complaining about the things that are like protecting you. Like you've moved into the house. Like you're you're benefiting off of this stuff, you know? She's like, don't judge us too harsh for protecting what you're going to inherit. Like you're going to get this someday. (laughs) We're just trying to keep it. She moves into like, they move into John's room, right? Like like his bed, right? That's yep. That is John's bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I like where we are. I I liked it at the beginning. I do like that. There's the potential that this you know part of me. So now that Monica has this job, she's a professor, and you know she is she is trying to teach about like the inequality that's the, you know and the and the racism um, and the oppression that has happened to her her people, and then being like sort of part of this like you know the ranch. I think is potentially interesting. I think there's like room to move over there. So yeah, I like I like where we've ended up i i really do i like casey and monica together i like that immediately like when she comes back late from the from the concert it's not like a huge fight it's like no we can't like just like do what we did before to get there i like that character growth i love casey evolving a little bit too him being insightful enough to be like can we not do this again can we just talk like you got to tell me what's going on right the whole field trip is awesome too that's a real performer mc red cloud is like one of the rappers that was there i thought it was really compelling if you're like listening to some of what he's saying very very good stuff uh i don't know that was even the b this is the moment that i wanted to talk about where like as 
we come in and we see the shirt that like the one woman is wearing it's a hashtag of like why we wear red it's a little bit charged that they present this but it's also like such a fleeting instant grace like they barely show the shirt i was curious if you were able to like read it as the students are reacting and the woman is like being standoffish it's just again the inclusion of these things that are very antithetical to a lot of the idea of yellowstone being some piece of like conservative propaganda it's so not that um and the inclusion of like moments like this i think are important certainly they are not the lion's share of the show right there are fewer and further in between but still, I think the inclusion of Monica and the persistence of like, this is not a storyline that we just drop. We are consistently pretty much every episode dropping in at some point to talk about uh, like the dynamics of like a Native American people whose land was here for 10,000 years as we have the Thomas like coming to the ranch moment, you know, and mm -hmm. like the implication of that and then the weight of like trying to find a, a place for yourself like in society in the modern day given all that has been like taken from your people and then the kind of like what they've been subjected to in the last two centuries of the american experience i thought it was really powerful little scene and i love the way that it then like circles back for the emotional resonance of casey like can we talk let's talk let's talk let's figure this out am i missing something about the why we were red is it that that am i missing something about like, I know what that means. The, the why we were red is the red initiative of like uh, wearing red to. to so when up. they first like come into the bar and Monica's got her students, one of the students has like a confrontation with the ticket with the women yes. taking the tickets and yes. her shirt has that saying on it. And he's right. like staring at it. He's like, oh, and she's like, you got a problem, mother effer. And he like kind of freaks out. of like, are we safe here? So I right. guess the point that I'm making, I'm rambling a little bit. No, they okay. show her shirt and they show him reacting to the shirt. It's the inclusion of the shirt, but it's a fleeting second. I mean, I think the shirt's on screen for like less than a full second. And the fact that like they included it and then it feels to me, like I think it's ballsy of Taylor Sheridan to put that on the show, that moment of confrontation. But it's such a fleeting image that it feels a little bit like network notes of like, whoa, 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 too political, too political. Like you could spend more time on the murder, on the violence, but like you can't show that for very much longer. Nonetheless, like, like they showed it. It is there. It's on the screen. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I don't know whether this is just like a Canadian thing. I, I think that actually like to a degree. So why we were red is just acknowledging that um, many um, indigenous women and girls are kidnapped and murdered yes. uh, specifically because people know that they won't get caught by doing that. There, uh, the people, there will not be as much as many police resources. There'll not be as much attention put on uh, a woman who goes missing. People will say, Oh, she was, you know, Oh, she did leave the way she was drunk, whatever that people will dismiss it more than there's a thing that happened here in Canada. It's not exactly the same, but there was a, a, a serial killer who was killing gay men and it was mm -hmm. not, he was mostly killing um, Arab and Muslim men. And it was not until a white man went missing that then there was actually resources put behind the thing. So the, the similar idea that why we wear red is to acknowledge that missing there's missing and murders indigenous women and it's a it's like actually like a huge 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 issue it's um, a massive problem and it has been for decades problem. too as somebody yeah. that like spent time there in the 90s i mean uh, yeah, yeah yeah i i i wondered whether or not the like the thing was that, I, like the way i read it was like that because she was staring at the shirt like she like he thought she thought maybe he was like looking at it like it was you know that her breasts and then she's like hey yeah. like 
come on. And then he, he gets ready. And I do like, cause then he says like, are we in trouble here? Are we safe here? And she's like, like, no, come on. Like you're, you're a fool. And I, like, I do think it's like a very progressive thing to see on the show or more progressive. This idea that there is, this is like kind of like white fragility of like, I got oh, like pulled out a little bit here in a moment. And now I'm like, you know, going to use the fact like, Oh my God, am I actually like safe here as, yeah. as this moment of like learning for him from Monica. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, yeah, I just thought it was a powerful moment. I love the inclusion of the scene. I love the inclusion of uh, of an artist that you get here, like MC Red Cloud. The fact that, like, the song is there, the shirt is shown. The shirt just struck me because, like, I had to pause it to actually read what it said. And right. I was like, a little bit like, it's really bold of them to put it here, but it's also, like, it's so the safest possible way, where it's this fleeting, like, second, and they don't, they barely even want to show it. But I think it's a really important note that, like, this kid being taken out of his comfort zone the tiniest way, and he's like, the you know quintessential right. like you know white american captain america type yeah, college guy, right? yeah yeah, yeah, uh, sure, yeah. And, and so i thought it was a really like powerful little note and i love the inclusion of ideas like this consistently across the show uh beth and rip i just want to talk about them a little bit like rip kind of showing up to save the day the whole like notion of like her am i like over indexing on this he's like sleeping in the bed he gets up to leave early no. and he's like i don't want to get used to this right like they've clearly had this like on and off thing over the years and like he's afraid to get too attached she's in this vulnerable position she needs him right now and he's like i'm not gonna pretend that this is like a thing that's gonna happen uh is like the needle moving there are you tracking on this the way i'm tracking on it yeah i mean this to me is like the best example of the show trying to tell like a very simple story you talk about the idea that like taylor sheridan has talked about that a lot of like uh, trying to just tell simple stories this is pretty simple this is like two people who have tried to be in a relationship they clearly are like in some ways like perfect for each other and other ways they drive each other wild and, and to, and cause them each to do very stupid things. And yet they're, they're wild. They're, they're like, they're like magnets. They're like both sides of the magnets where they like repel against each other, but then also are like attracted to each other, each other. Right. Um, And so um, it's very, it's a very simple story, but I think it's like, you know, it's effective. And the idea too, I do think it's like an interesting take here that like, Rip, the, when when Beth tries to stand up for Rip in the previous episode and is like, he's like your son. And John's like, well, he's not my son. But now there's this idea that like, if actually Beth and Rip could figure out how to work it together, like he kind of becomes like he's family yeah. and he's like not his son still, but he's just like, he'd be a son-in-law, you know? And so like that to me is like, it, it's like very simple, all of this stuff of like, you know, he's on the outs, but he could be on the, he could be in, but they're like both toxic for each other, but also perfect for each other. I think it works for me. I like I like uh, Rip and Beth together. I find them very compelling as a pair. You know, I think that he as a character is really interesting. We get the scene of him kind of like connecting with Tate and being cool uncle where Casey gets pulled off with John, you know, and I think there's something to like, look, Rip's not a good man. I don't want to like mince words here, right? Rip's like a dark MF or he's done some really hard stuff. He comes from severe trauma. We get this clarity of he spent all his money burying his brother and his mom and, and then took his dad's bones and discarded them out the window of the car between here and Nebraska. It's pretty touching but i think that um 
there's something endearing about the guy inside, right? The fact that he's like been through this much violence, he's lived such a jaded, cynical, kind of relentless life, but he's still got a capacity for love and for kindness and he can be charming with the kid. I think it's really endearing. I think it's a kind of, uh, it's a Soprano-esque character note for these anti-hero characters. You and I have talked a lot about like mileage may vary for anti-heroes and the kind of current uh, state of the world, you know, and, and I don't know. I just like the heart of Rip that we see emerge here um, as he's going to like save Beth. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't so far, Grace? I feel Keep like your hands off most Tate. of the big point. Keep your hands off Tate. And also oh, yeah. security guard who does various, you know, again, like we don't give out like, uh, I'm very proud of us. So I'm just going to mention on every podcast where like Shannon Gus has the cheesy points on the crown podcast. We're giving out the Lizzie points. And I'm just very proud of that. Um, Cause Queen Elizabeth, um, we don't give them out. Honestly, there's a case to be made that, like, you know, this Beck plan is actually, like, very good. Killing the man on the, the security guard so that the, like, construction actually gets halted. It's very good plan. I feel like it's going to end up with them dying, but for without being results-oriented... It's not a bad. They're play. making strong moves. It's yeah. good strategy. It's good strategy. The other note, we talked about the Breaking Bad comparisons. I got to stop in to be like, this is uh, the Jimmy oh. Jesse Pinkman alternative yeah. reality right. arc. Right. <laughs> As Jimmy's going to show up at the math cook and be like, this cook doesn't know what he's doing. And they take his belt buckle and his buddy. They're hassling him about Avery. That's uh, BS. The thousand dollars for the for the thing. That's BS. Yeah. Jimmy almost looks like he's got a man up in the moment, which like good choice not to when you're in yeah. a drug den and somebody's pointing a potentially loaded weapon at you that is not the moment to like find your backbone jimmy like good job handing over your rodeo belt buckle but the whole like i really had that beat of like there is some resemblance between uh aaron paul and uh Jeff yeah it's Lee, not bad who plays bad. jimmy hertram and there's a very like oh you could have been jesse pinkman in another life jimmy you could have been yeah um yeah so we get that and yeah so yeah uh but just it's, if it, i swear oh very good line extremely good line uh beth says that when she was young she gave a hand job to this poor poor boy and it sounds like it's going to be like the beck brother is like the boy that got the, like you you poor soul i gave you it's like no you looked a lot like the penis <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty brutal. The really shit that Beth insult. says to them no. as they confront her, like there is something so absolutely like powerful about Beth's confrontation with these two, and that's I think what makes it even more terrifying and chilling. And I think why it like becomes important to talk about violence against women in like that moment and what it depicts. But yeah, it, it's incredible. I mean, the, some of the lines that she has throughout that whole confrontation are just exceptional. Yeah, it's very very good uh yeah that's about it i don't think i got any yeah there's a lot going on but uh they were i thought these are two really good episodes episode seven clearly like very highly rated well received by the fans but i thought eight was like really exceptional does a really great job dealing with the fallout of seven and setting up where we're going for the penultimate and the finale of uh season two uh, we will be back next week talking about both those episodes, Grace, and we'll see what happens from there. But until then, uh, what do you got going on? Where can people find you? 
Yeah, Jess and I are talking a uh, full season of a TV show each week. This past week, we talked about A Nearly Normal Family, which is a Swedish Netflix uh, miniseries. Oh, it's my family. Yep. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of like The Duds, A Nearly Normal Family. Uh, uh, talking Fargo, talking The Crown, talking movies each week with Ariel, and The Curse, which is a delightfully weird show. Talking through that with Dr. Amanda. So, yeah, lots going on here on Post Your Recaps as we wrap up the end of the year. I'm on social media at High From Grace. What about you, Philly? Cool, cool. I'm at DM Philly in all the places. You can go find me. You can hit me up on Discord, on Twitter. Uh, go follow me on YouTube, on Twitch. I've been doing a lot the last couple of months, but as we're rolling into winter, I'm looking to ramp up. Uh, talking about Burroughs End with Melissa Woodward. We finished talking about Tales from the Loop weeks and weeks ago, but I will still keep telling people to go scope out that show. Um, just keeping myself busy as the year is winding down. We'll be back next week talking about the penultimate episode and finale of yellowstone season two but until then just remember when somebody says hardy har har they really don't think you're funny they're being sarcastic Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.